Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. It's the Midtown Madness podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button as well as the bell icon down below to get notified whenever we drop an episode. This episode and the whole season of the Midtown Madness podcast is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, the people over at Two Men have you covered. Not only do they have the basics down to a science, you can also find their salsa in varieties like mango, strawberry, and peach. They even offer a sugar-free version. You can pick up their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomenandagarden.com. Follow them on social media at Two Men Salsa. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Pete, Pete, Pete. Uh, the, the, a lot of smoke going around Billiken, uh, Billiken fandom right now with Yuri Collins, Pete, are we getting into that? I think there are what three or four different threads on the message board right now, all about Collins. He's for whatever reason, he's more of a a deep dive lightning rod, whatever you want to call him type player than anybody else. The biggest thing we ever did was a emergency show about Yuri Collins possibly leaving. Uh, It seems like people can discuss every possibility with that guy all day and never get tired of it. It's, it's, it's really interesting to me. Uh, You know, why him more than anybody else that people just want to talk about. Uh, But yeah, I guess Zach, if the rumor is, um, that he'll be withdrawing from the draft and possibly entering the portal as a grad transfer pretty soon. I thought he and, had, I thought that like deadline passed. Well, okay. So I think May 11th was the deadline, unless you're a grad transfer. Like for him, it would be a first time transfer. He's a grad transfer. So I don't think there would be a waiver in that case. You know, if he were a junior or a senior and, or if this were his second or third transfer i think that would be a different story but in his case i'm I'm pretty sure he would be immediately eligible regardless um, so, so he I, can so stay in the draft as long as he wants um i don't think that's the case i think he still has to technically withdraw um but you know now we're getting into to weird rules i'm not sure and, and a lot of things have changed too right because like he he played in events that normally mean like the guy's going pro he's not coming back but it's a kind of a different era now, right? I mean, a lot of a lot of people we thought were going are coming back. I think Dayton is still uh, uncertain if Holmes is coming back. I think, you know, a lot of people there are talking about whether he's coming back or not, and the rumor is that he will uh, come back, not not maybe not enter the portal, but actually come back to school um, at Dayton. But yeah, we just we just don't know yet. I th- so I, the fact that there are uh, you know a lot multiple guys in the A10 alone that we're talking about with this. Leads me to believe that you know there's there's still time, even if I don't know all the dates and rules and deadlines. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, you know what happens. I know I think I think a lot of the the deal with Yuri Collins is the you know you get you're the focal point. Um, you know you're going into uh, your senior season and and everyone knows that you're going to be the lightning rod for this team and, and uh, or the, 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 the engine that drives the car. And uh, you just kind of up and enter the portal. 
Uh, and, you know, I think we saw a little frustration from Gibson Jimerson uh, on Twitter back then. So, I mean, you can see how people might feel a certain way about the way he handled things. I think I talked about this uh, when it first happened, that it'll be interesting to see if if either Yuri or individually or the team struggles, uh, how do Billiken fans react? And, and I think we're seeing that now, given that, you know, there, there's a lot of people that we've laid blame on for missing the tournament. Ford uh, obviously being that main, uh, you know, the main blame. Uh, but but because Yuri Collins is the the second the next best thing to blaming Travis Ford. I mean, he is an extension of Ford on the floor. I think it's only natural that given, you know, his decision to enter the portal, Billiken fans aren't happy, you know, with him and the way he's handled things. Yeah. And it's, so it seems like the reaction has been mixed, right? I mean, like there are people who say, saying they would take him back in a heartbeat and, and maybe medley having a year under him wouldn't be the worst thing. And, um, there's no denying his ability. Uh, maybe with uh, some different personnel, things work a little bit better. Um, but it seems like the majority are kind of like uh, ready to move on. You know, um, it's this, as you just said, it's the second year in a row where we've seen him put his name either in the draft or in the portal or both. Uh, we'll find out soon. And he can't come back next year, but it's like, you know, I don't necessarily feel like you get to do that twice in a row to a fan base and, and get welcomed back with open arms. I mean, I guess it's, it's not true of everyone, but I think most people are just kind of like, Hey, you know, even if, even if he would help us this year, even if there's a, a need, they just feel like they kind of want to move on. You know, yeah. it's been a lot of, it's been a long time. It's been a lot of drama. And I think a lot of people are just kind of scarred from how last season went you know, not according to uh, expectations and they're just kind of ready to move on. Like they'd rather watch a freshman, uh, you know, struggle through his transition than, uh, than watch him sit another year while, while Yuri uh, leads the charge. So I don't know. It's, it's been kind of interesting. I can't, I, I have to say I've skimmed a lot of that kind of discussion just because there's only so much of people saying the same thing in circles that I can take, but um you know, it's definitely a situation we're watching closely. Yeah, I think I think people are, you know, you look at ready to move on and you don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, keep the, you kind of want to get rid of all the skeletons from last season. But, I mean, Jimerson seems to be more of, you know, a positive force. Mm -hmm. um, and for whatever reason, I, I whether it's the fact that Yuri entered the portal under, dubious circumstances uh surrounding Kentucky or not Tennessee and, and potential tampering and and whatnot that um you know Gibson's a little more of a positive force coming back you're willing to say hey like Gibson I, I you know you can transition better into this new um kind of roster makeup uh mm -hmm. You know, Terrence Hargrove, obviously, uh, just a uh, one-of-a-kind athlete. Uh, he's getting better, I think, every year. And, of course, he's just a positive force in general when you see him out there on the bench or on the court. So, uh, again, it, it, you know, and I think that's why fans are kind of, yeah, those two were happy to, to carry them over, even though they have a little bit of that uh, – 
that underachieving stench to them. Well, the, the guys you're talking about too, it, it seems like they are eager to take on leadership roles that they ne- haven't necessarily had before, right? I mean, Hargrove and Jimerson were both veterans, but there were always guys more veteran than them or in, um, you know, literal positions of of leadership on the floor, like Collins as a point guard. Um, you know, they were surrounded a lot of times by grad transfers, um, people who had been around a long time, who were older, whatever. Um, I, I would like to see them kind of relish that the, that role as as the leaders on this team. It's it's something different for a guy who comes off as, as a little more quiet, like Jimerson, um, a guy who's energetic, like Hargrove, um, different, much different personalities, obviously, but I think they both have a lot to offer in terms of uh, leadership on this team to a lot of new players, a lot of guys who are younger than them now. It's just a, it's just a completely different dynamic. And uh, I, I have to think that they're, they've got to be feeling like, you know, it's a little bit different when you're like the senior, right? Like you just walk through the halls with a little bit different swagger. And um, and now they're going to get that opportunity, and that's that's pretty cool. And I'd I'd like to see them kind of make the most of it. And if that's kind of what it feels like, you know, the vibe you're getting off of them, I, I yeah, I hope I hope that's the why. Yeah, I kind of called an audible there for a minute. I had to. I kind of was like, I I think we should lead with a little Yuri Collins, and uh, I think I think again, you know, I kind of I'm just waiting for whatever he does, man. Like whatever he yeah. does. Uh, uh, if he g- continues on with the pro career, I will think a little bit more of him than if he goes into the transfer portal. Uh, and, and it's not that I'm, you know, I think he owes us anything or anything like that. I just don't like the way he's handled uh, kind of his business. And, and it is now a business, you know, you, mm-hmm. you could sit here three years ago and when the portal kind of kicked off and, uh, be like, okay, yeah, I mean, whatever, dude, go, you know, go over to wherever. Uh, but now there's there's money being thrown around, right? So uh, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too in in, in avoiding uh, the serious criticism uh, for what you do on and off the court now. Yeah, I think that's right. It, it does change everything in that relationship between player and fan and you know, not necessarily for the better. You're going to see more ugliness around it. But at the same time, I, I guess there is some degree of sort of, uh, you know, accountability that they're going to have to learn quick, quickly as well, you know, for a lot of these guys making money really for the first time. And, uh, you know, I think the the fact that fans are kicking into a lot of what these guys are doing, getting paid, whatever, there's there's just a different level there. There's a different dynamic. That is a lot more pro-like. I, hey, I buy these expensive tickets. I want to see you perform. Uh, I contribute to this, uh, you know, NIL collective. I want to see you perform. It's just a, it's just a different level. And, uh, you know, add to the fact that gambling has opened up in a, in a big way in sports now too. And you're seeing a lot more pressure from fans on athletes in that regard as well. So it's a lot at once for these guys. Um but you know, at the look, it's it's early stages of all of this, and I think we'll get into a more comfortable phase of it. But um, you know, I, I I don't know, I don't know where to leave it with Yuri Collins, other than I, I I do wish him the best. It would be painful to see him go on to some kind of pro career if he does play at another school next year, because mm-hmm. that school name is always going to be next to his name. You know what I mean? 
even though he gave slew four years if he went to i don't know say k-state yeah season what um, what if he's always going to have k-state next to his name uh, wherever he goes and plays pro and and i don't I don't love that. Now, look, I I still think he's a long shot for the NBA, even in the long term. Um, but uh, but I I think there's there's still money to be made for him in basketball somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, best of luck to Yuri. I just uh, I hope he uh, you know, can make a little more responsible decisions. I get. I I I don't want to say you know respond. I I don't know how to describe it. I guess maybe more uh, purposeful or. Um, I don't know. I really don't know where I'm going with that, Pete. I just <laughs> they're they're getting paid, but they don't have PR teams, right? I mean, yeah, like they could, I, they, they could take the... advice, but it's just it's it's not the same. It's I'm not really, pro in that regard. I'm really waiting for the first time where somebody actually comes out where like they gave them nil money, and then like they just some player just does not fulfill the obligations, and they oh, get, they get, get a ready lawsuit, for that. lawsuits. Uh, yeah. I mean, Nancy Kerrigan esque situations. Uh, I mean, I oh, like, I mean, I'm seriously, we're talking, yeah. I mean, well, that's that's kind of what I'm saying too, with the, the regards to NIL and um, gambling at the same time, yes. accelerating like that. Like, they're they they went from being a lot, of, and this is across a lot of sports too, from, from being relatively low key niche sport athletes to like in a big pressure cooker now, yeah. and and that's um. Yeah, there's there's going I I God, feel like knows. I feel like legit NIL like like the kind of dudes that would like serious give serious money to a collective like serious serious money are the same people that would gamble like oh. serious serious money. Well, I mean <laughs> like you're talking like I feel like there's a shady subsect of the like the people that would give money to an NIL collective that are, you know, giving money to that NIL collective, but also degenerate freaking gamblers. Well, I mean, hey, I, I think I'm shocked at how many people are gambling on sports now. Like people I've never known to gamble at all are now asking me like on a Tuesday night, like what I think about slew against so-and-so. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I, I would never bet on this team uh, one way or the other. I, I just, uh, so I think there is for one, a lot of people doing that. I mean, I think that, look, the people who give the the truly big money to NIL, like the t- top tier of boosters, you don't get that wealthy by uh, being stupid Correct. with money. <laughs> and, you know, you know I, I should. On college baseball or whatever. Yeah, I, I would probably re. re uh, yeah, I think it's. My statement, but I'm saying like there's. There's, there's definitely a be, tier. Yes, yeah, right. I, where, I agree with that. Yeah, and I think school's got to be careful with that. And I think right. that. Uh, you know, again, I know we paint out the NCAA and the schools as the enemy. Well, I don't. I, I truly don't care how you paint them. But like, I know people do. But uh, I mean, it's 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 going to be on these schools to protect players from, uh, you know, uh, shady NIL deals, uh, shady NIL agent deals. I'm looking at. Uh, a, I'm thinking about a certain person, uh, around here. You know. Yeah. Oh, for uh, sure. So I think I think it's important, and it's important to you know, th- that's gonna be the real thing. Is you look at some of the stuff that came out on social media, how does that affect the locker room? You know what? I nobody like it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. 
Right. Like once it's said, it's said. It's it's kind of the thing where you know you put out a headline. Oh, got it. Correct it. So you correct it with a little footnote at the right. end of page ten. Right. So you're talking about rumors about like players getting different things, basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that really is the immediate pro- professionalization of a locker room, and that's something yeah. like. I feel bad for college coaches like Travis Ford, who's like, I've been doing this for three decades and now I have to manage players who are bitter because other guys in the same room are getting paid more. Like it's, it's one thing to be like, I I don't, I think my minutes should be higher and I think he's getting favored or whatever, but it's another to be like, Oh, he's also getting more money than me on top of that. Like, it's it's a much different thing that like you never when you get into the prof- none of these guys who have gotten into the profession who are head coaches now necessarily were prepared for that um even if they knew conceptually this might be happening someday it's yeah. it's a it's a totally different dynamic and yeah i mean just 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 get ready you know i mean <laughs> you you wonder if the whole thing about the nil collective is kind of like look guys i, I don't know if i can like it's one thing to to be able to build the team, but I don't know if I can manage that team mm-hmm. with a bunch of guys that are gonna demand money. Yeah, it's 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 really hard. It's impossible, honestly. Um, so so we've I mean, already... you, yeah, you kind. Of, I mean, but you understand why they would put out such a directive, I guess, for the the Billiken Victory Fund. I mean. It solves a problem before the problem arises, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to at least put some terms behind it, um, because as as we now know, you're recruiting all players at all times, right? Like the guys on your roster, you're recruiting them still. Um, you're recruiting the portal, you're recruiting junior college, high school, everywhere, all at once. And uh, yeah, I mean, think about like a Brock Vice situation. There's a guy we had committed for a long time very suddenly gone and it's it's just it's striking it's striking right like um how how fun is it to put together a roster like here are my ideal players at this level that i can put this roster together but it's never a static situation you you never you, you never feel like you're actually done you're always building that roster it's an ongoing process and and it's it's got to be frustrating. I mean, look, they're well compensated for what they do for the most part, but it's, I, I I do feel their pain a little bit when you're like trying to chart out what my team is going to look like two, three, four years from now. And how do we correctly build this roster? And you just can't do that anymore. You're, you're scrambling every March uh, to make the pieces fit. And uh, yeah, I know. (laughs) And on top of it, trying to, you know, keep all those guys content and I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. I think I think you really do. It's a little hokey, and but we talked about it before. I think you really do recruit personalities to fit a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think character dudes are going to mean a lot more in in this sport going forward. You know, you're looking at your Hargroves and Thatches and Jimmersons and just really solid dudes um, who who believe in their place and their people and. Um, guys who can give you some continuity is just going to be more valuable than a guy who comes in from one year and may or may not work. We we talked about how Rick Majerus might fare in the, in the age of NIL. Maybe he'd find, maybe, I mean, maybe he could, 
you know, the, it, it, yeah, it he, seems he, like maybe he might have an advantage. He he had a lot of players leave on him in an age where not as many guys transferred, right? I mean, think of how many players he brought in who just didn't last um, for whatever reason. I mean, mainly because, you know. Well, he's a hard ass. <laughs> he's tough. Yeah, so, like, there are still, I think there are always going to be guys who, like, see the vision and get it and maybe they're feeling like they're taken care of just enough to hang around. Right. I mean, like, I think like, a and I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying do the bare minimum, you know? Um, but I, I, I think there are going to be those guys who, who, uh, who see the value in um, developing in one place and, uh, and not just chasing whatever money looks best this year and next year and next year. I think there are going to be a lot of players from this era when they get to their thirties and forties, look back and say like, probably should have hung around there another year. You know, I probably should have gone with this school instead of that one out of high school. And, you know, obviously guys have all always done that, but it's just the amount of movement there is now um, chasing the next shiniest thing, chasing your best offer instead of, uh, you know, what might be the best spot for you long-term. Um, it's, it's just going to be an interesting thing to talk to people about down the road. Yeah. I, I don't know where exactly we go from here because I just completely <laughs> uh, bogarted the notes. I think um, we go, I, I think we go to Chattanooga and I think, I think I just want to, you know, give us your experience. I, I want, I want to get a little recap. You did an Ironman, what they call a 70.3 um, down in Chattanooga this weekend. And I, I want to hear about it. Cause I know you finished. I know we do have some listeners who are following along. And I know you're still sore and tired <laughs> and everything that comes with putting your body through that. Yeah. So why don't you give us a, re a rundown of that? Yeah, I got down there Friday afternoon. Uh, actually got, uh, you know, in pretty early and then um, kind of just checked the bike and went down and checked in. And uh, then Saturday got out to sw swim in the, the above the reservoir. Or whatever above the dam because the, mm -hmm. the river's where we swam but uh yeah i actually knew there was another zach miller in the race and uh yeah that driving, was confusing yeah so we're driving <laughs> uh we're leaving the lake uh after after getting in the water and testing it out and you know getting a feel for it and uh, uh i'm walking or we're driving and i'm pulling around this car and i see a guy wearing a, a suit that says miller on the back and i go if I don't stop and say something and that was him, like I, I'm going to, so I stopped. Right. I'm like, Zach Miller from Chicago. He goes, Zach Miller from St. Louis. I go, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the odds of, I mean, for, for, for reference, there was 2,300 participants in this event. So, I mean, right. that's preposterous odds, but yeah. Um, Sunday uh, swim bike run uh a mile 1.4 mile swim uh 56 mile bike and a half marathon 13.1 i finished in five minutes or five minutes five hours six minutes and 13 seconds uh the uh the hills of chattanooga really suck yeah i've heard uh yeah i'm trying to think of anything uh yeah, nothing. It was, I mean, nothing crazy. I, I almost got, you know, kind of rubbing his racing, had somebody uh, try to pass me and, and I was trying to pass somebody else and they nearly 
uh, bumped me off. Like we just collided, you know, and uh, stayed up. And I mean, it's fine. The, the run was just, it was hot and there was hills yeah. and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good time and uh, happy with my performance. Uh, I wanted to go sub five hours. That's kind of a, a benchmark, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I had a bit of a, a, a stitch in my side on the, the run and it took me about a mile and a half to, to get that out. But yeah, I, it's, it was, it was a good time. It's uh, it's a, it's definitely a money pit. I'll tell you that much uh, of an experience, you know, you pay a ton to, to go there and, and for your Airbnb. And then of course they got all the merchandise that you got to buy. You got to exit through the gift shop. Sure. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Chattanooga is interesting, man. It's like every other block is different. Like, You'll go like one block and it's like a little rougher. Then you'll go another block and it's like, like really like kitschy hipster antique stuff. And yeah. uh, then you'll go another block and it's rough again. And, you know, but downtown is really pretty. And uh, I didn't get to see the aquarium. Didn't really do much down there. Um, we're we're actually going there uh, with the kids in the, the end of July, like the last weekend of July staying right by that uh, baseball stadium and yeah. we're going to take them to a ball game. And there's a children's museum, aquarium, a bunch of stuff right downtown. So we're, we're staying for like three or four days uh, before we head over to the Smokies. But uh, um, I've heard it's a nice place. I've just never been. Yeah. We had a, I think the only time we went out to eat was mellow mushroom on Friday night, mm-hmm. which I don't know why. Like it was just right there. And I was like, oh, they're always right. good. Yeah. And then um what did we, we had a uh, taco Mac or I think, which isn't re- actually like a taco place yeah, uh, at all. It's just a sports bar. I don't is know if their you, wings is, were good. You guys, I was going to ask if that's where you got your, your yeah, wings. Yep. Yep. So yeah, <laughs> it's always, it's a tradition. So good. Um, well, but, congrats on, uh, on finishing and that, you know, putting a respectable performance together that's uh this has been a lot of work for people who yes. think zach's been a little quieter than usual lately he's been training oh, hard god uh yeah i i don't think i'm gonna step up for it to an iron man uh anytime in the near future but uh probably do another 70.3 next year it's, it's a good time maybe that, go to... that's that's half is that what you're saying so yeah, like a full so... would be 140 yeah 140.6 jeez Louise. i ate Dude, it's preposterous. Let me, I'll just explain this to you. I ate probably 2,500 calories, ate and drank between the two, 2,500 calories within that four, five hour time, time frame. So just while you were going. Yes. In the form of what? Uh, Not not wings on the bike. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, So gels. Yeah. Which are just like, I, I like to think that they're just like, emulsified bananas like that they kind of match the macros like the carbs per calorie of a banana is kind of the same uh so i had yeah i i mean gels and then gatorade endurance mm-hmm. and then uh and then i had yeah like i think i had a thing of salt yeah a salt tab just basically and then and then on the run i had a gel every 15 minutes so I did thir- every 30 minutes I ate a gel on the bike and every 15 minutes on the run, I ate a gel. So yeah, it was, wow. my, my stomach is, is feeling wonderful right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you made it. That's yes, I did. Let's get to things that most of our listeners care about. Um, well, the, you know, we talk about NIL and and we talk about the money and the basketball and the the on field, but but you know, uh, they're still here and they're the the athletes and they're here to get uh, an education uh, in a lot. Actually, most of them are. Uh, I would venture to say 98% of Billiken athletes are, are uh, here to get a degree and go into uh, the non-sports world as adults. Yeah, for sure. I'm always impressed when I see like what degrees they're getting too, right? I mean, like so many of them, like, man, I had a way easier major and I was a manager, not an actual athlete who had to like, you know, lift and work out and be there longer hours and stuff. Uh, or at least different hours anyway. But uh, but yeah, this was graduation weekend at SLU. And, and we do want to extend our sincerest congrats to everyone who earned a degree, um, as, you know, especially all those athletes that we do discuss on the show every week. Uh, we know some of them will move on to other professions now, and some are going to come back to play another season while they work toward advanced degrees or certificates or whatever. And we just want to acknowledge the hard work that goes into what they all do. So um, congrats to the class of 2023. And we do wish you the best of luck in whatever your stage might be, your next stage might be. A uh, really neat moment for uh, Billiken soccer fans, St. Louis soccer fans. Uh, Johnny Klein, guest of the show. Uh, he signed a short-term loan from St. Louis City too. And uh, he uh, made his MLS debut. Actually, he played two games this weekend, Pete. He played in City Two's game on Sunday as well. Man, unbelievable! That yeah, that was that was cool. I was watching the City game when he uh, when he came in, seventy eighth minute sub. Um, by this point, they were already up four nothing on on KC. But uh, I understand Zach that uh, that you made a promise that you've got to make good on. I did. Also, I did not uh, make it to the start of that game on Saturday night. I was out before eight p.m. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, I am. Uh, I told, I said, John, I, I told Johnny when he came on the podcast, there would be a city jersey up there with Klein on the back of it. If he made, uh, when he made the first team. So uh, as soon as I get a chance, Johnny Klein's going on the back of the jersey. That's awesome. So, promises yeah. made, promises capped. You know, that's absolutely. And by, by the way, how many MLS players have we he, we now had on? I mean, it's just, mm. it, it's, 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 rapidly growing klein betcher schulte schulte yeah that's not bad for the short lifespan of our show not bad at all Uh, right uh, brian mcbride come on the podcast yeah tim Uh, reen what's up yeah Uh, oh yeah i forgot i i think i just mixed up mcbride and tim reen that's hey mcbride would be great to talk to. congrats tim reen on on getting that uh that little uh you know, misnomer. Uh, <laughs> Pete, there are, there is some, you know, uh, that we do have a new offer out, man. Men's basketball. Let's get back to it. We do have a new offer. I, I happened to stumble across this when I was looking for something else on Twitter, but we offered the other day, Trent Noah, a 2024 wing out of Harlan County high school in Kentucky. Uh, those of you who watch justified, that's what, uh, that's the part of Kentucky we're talking about here. He plays his AAU uh, ball for Midwest Basketball Club on the Adidas uh, 3SSB circuit. He's 6'7", 200. He's 
primarily a scorer, kind of a mostly a wing scorer. He's a big time three point shooter. He's elite from the free throw line. He shoots about 90%. He can get to the rim, draw fouls. He makes plays for his teammates, but he's just got really good size uh, for what he does. You know, and I, I hate to make the easy comparison, just kind of based on what he looks like. But after watching some highlights, my first thought is they they just had to pitch him like you could be the next Gibson Jimerson, right? And he's kind of he's kind of blowing up right now. He's he's over 15 offers. Uh, Seton Hall is one of the bigger ones. A lot of A10 schools, Richmond, VCU, George Mason. Uh, and then he's got Belmont, Indiana State, Rice, Miami, Ohio, a few of the schools in Kentucky, and then, uh, you know, a few others. Good looking player. And I, and I mean, just seeing how Jimerson has, how his career has gone at SLU, you, you definitely have somebody to point to, to this kid and go like, you could, you could thrive here. You could thrive in college. Here's how we would do it. And uh, you know, here's the tape on that. So it's, I think it's a compelling pitch. He's from Ford's home state. Um, and I, you know, I always like when we recruit Kentucky. So um, this, this looks like a really nice offer to me. You know, I watched uh, the movie air on Saturday while I was, Oh, no. Sitting on the couch all day, and they it was about how they recruited Michael Jordan, uh, to be Nike, and, and I now like just I I've been I one of these days I'm gonna have to have you explain the process of like basketball recruiting because it's weird right to be like like the seventh team to offer, like right. like it's just like what's the point like. Like, unless you really feel good, do all these schools really feel that good that they're going to get this kid? Like what? Uh, the, it's just a, an odd dynamic. I think for me, there's a, um, there's a Juco player who's, who's actually, he transferred from Washington. Now he's going to Milwaukee named Langston Wilson. And SLU was one of over 40 schools to offer um, him as a Juco sophomore. I guess this would have been what uh, over a year ago. Yeah. Um, over 40 offers for him as, and that's as a Juco recruit, right? Like not somebody that coaches were recruiting as since he was a freshman or a sophomore in high school. Um, I don't have any kind of magic formula for what's the right school to offer. <laughs> like what's the right number to be. You can be the first offer and you can get, you know, passed by, by a lot of schools. You can come in right at the last minute, steal a kid away. We see that happen all the time there's really no rhyme or reason to it. You just have to kind of uh, have the person, the, the, the fit, all of those things kind of figured out. And uh, yeah, so, so yeah, being his, you know, 16th or 17th offer or whatever we are um, look, the, the pool got crowded really quickly. I think most of these offers actually have come in the last few months for him. Um, so his, his status has really blown up and especially now that he's playing, you know, in AAU events this spring. Um it, it it happens a lot with these kids, but look, by, by the time you get to fall and winter, not all of those offers are going to be committable. Um, those, a lot of those schools are going to have other guys who have committed. They're going to move, have moved on to other things. Maybe they'll have a coaching change in the spring. Like there's, there's a lot of different things that happen between now and then. So it's not like he's going to have that many offers that he can commit to when he's ready to commit or, or at any given time during his senior year. So It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I, I think he's a he's a really nice potential fit for us, um, with especially with Jimerson moving on, and you can kind of you can map out for a kid what kind of career he can have for you. Have you heard anything about transfers lately? No. <laughs> this week has been like silent in terms of like who's visiting, who's who's 
who's transferring. Um, really the only kind of two names that we've talked about. Um, we know Slew reached out to Malcolm Dandridge from Memphis. So we so we know uh, we're still looking at big men. And then the other one that people have been talking about is Caleb Love because he decommitted from Michigan. And look, it's always it's always a pipe dream when you know that these guys have like big time schools after them. Last time around with Love, we knew Indiana, Florida State, Mizzou, we're all looking at him. Um, those schools can likely all offer more money and 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 status and you know TV uh, for their conferences and things like that. We know that. Um, we we are still the hometown school and and you know we're we're not nobody, but uh, that that I'll I'll believe it when I see it once again with him. But uh, but we, we that's really the only other name this week that we've been talking about at all. Uh, yeah, it's it's bizarre with with the Caleb Love situation because it's it's about credits transferring and uh, there was a little uh, murmurs about potential recruiting violations coming out of the uh, that school out west. Yeah, that's funny to me. First, I want to back up to the credits first because he he's coming from uh, Michigan and North Carolina are typically two of like the top five public schools in the country, right? Like these are. They're both, in terms of public schools, along with like Berkeley and, and UCLA and Virginia and a few others, these are like the elite public schools. It's it's almost hard for me to believe that Michigan wouldn't take credits. And now there's all of these writers talking about how Jawan Howard's biggest challenge is the admissions department. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, like you don't who think- is it? Who is it? Uh, who, who is the slew guy? Uh, that they could uh, that they couldn't get in. Oh, Craig Upchurch. Uh, yeah, th- yeah, this is the 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 Craig Upchurch. The Craig Upchurch of Michigan. Well, I mean, you you cannot field uh, a top level D one football program just with like high B and A students who are well above average on their you know test scores and all. Like, come on! Like, you're a gigantic state school. You've been hiding dudes where you need to for years. I just, I don't know if I even believe that, that story that, that it was about credits transferring or something. I mean, the only thing I could think of is that there was like a technicality on his major or whatever he was, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there are things that just wouldn't Anim- transfer They don't over, have but... animal husbandry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's just such a, I, I, I mean, know, he wasn't at the South Harmon Institute of Technology. He was not. No. Uh... No. And, 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 you know, he's not like a, he never, I never heard anything like at CBC, like he was just a kid who was not a good student or whatever. I mean, I'm sure he's fine. I I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird story to me, but, and now, now that we're hearing about, uh, you know, potentially word getting out that he had a, an a, possibly impermissible meal with the slew or sorry, with the Mizzou coaching staff. I mean, like that's uh that's an odd one too, right? Like it's just one weird story after another with this guy. Yeah, I, it's what is it with uh, St. Louis point guards and weird stuff? They like drama. They, they like do. all the 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 oddest headlines. They do. Um, hey Pete, do we have an assistant coach yet? No, we don't, Zach. Um, and it's uh, that's another front where anytime we've kind of started to hear something, it's gone away. And uh, yeah, you kind of, I guess, I guess, look, because I I guess there's still uh, Christian Nunez who's out there recruiting and doing, doing the job of a third assistant 
until we have one, but um, I don't know what we're going to do on that front. He's been, he's gotten good reviews from people around the program. People seem to like Christian. Everything I've heard is that he's a great uh, people person. The players love him. Um, he knows how to treat people. Those are all, you know, marks of a good recruiter. I think the other coaches really like him. And um, I don't know anything about his, his basketball acumen, like as a, as a coach. Um, I don't know. I, I just, you know, as an outsider, it's, it's tough to get a feel for those kind of things. Um, but everything I've heard is that he, he really knows how to, um, to relate to people and the guys really seem to like him. So he definitely has some of those attributes that you want an assistant who's out there selling your program and trying to, trying to get players in. So look, I mean, there's, there's, it makes sense to me with, with Tate, you've got a really, you know, specific guy as your associate head coach. Who's like, like we talked about with Harry, who's like the, the mayor of St. Louis. And then we've got um, Harry himself, who uh, you and I both know what a, what a great coach he is. So um, I think getting a less experienced guy who, who knows how to recruit and get out there and, and is trying to build his career could make sense as a third assistant, um, honestly. So I, I don't know. I, I feel good about um, whatever we do with that last spot. I would just kind of like to see something sooner than later, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, you know, you always talk about you can recruit if you, you don't, you know, don't have any ties to the school. You can break rules. But I mean, are we really playing by any rules anymore in this uh, <laughs> in the NCAA in NCAA basketball? Yeah, I don't know what rules you have to break. I mean, it's it's now it's just like the fine line between like what a coach is allowed to say and when and stuff like that. But no, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty wide open at this point. Uh Looking at the A-10 portal, we've got uh, a, a handful of schools that did things. Um, VCU, Dayton, Loyola, Davidson, St. Joe's, Fordham, UMass, and LaSalle all had uh, bye weeks, so to speak, in this round of the A-10 portal. As did we, yeah. Yes, uh, but uh, we had uh, some stuff go on at, at George Mason, Duquesne, Rhode Island, Bonaventure, and Richmond. Yeah, nothing huge from most of these. Um, uh, you know, Bonaventure, we knew Brent Rump, Brett Rumpel was going. He's going to Manhattan. Uh, Blake Jones is out at George Mason. He's going to Montana. Neither of those really moved the needle much. Um, Rhode Island did pick up Louisiana Tech transfer David Green. Um, could be a nice fit there. And then Richmond landed Delani Hunt from Wagner. Um, I actually think he could he could be a really sneaky good get for them. But the one that really stood out to me was uh, Duquesne got Dusan Mohorcic, um, who's a guy that slew, I think, recruited two different times. Um, and I think he's going, if I'm not mistaken, to his fifth or sixth school in six years. Like he's been, I think he went to, he's been to JUCO, he's been to Illinois State. I think he was out at like Utah or something like that. And then I, I, I'm going to have to look him up now because I'm, I'm curious, but I know this guy has been, all over the map and and i know that that we at least reached out more than once and one of those times i think we were really uh one of his finalists um so so he's just had a really oh nc state is where i think he's coming from now yeah he was at uh utah before nc state uh moberly area community college i think he was there uh right before of hoop dreams fame um, is it Moberly or is that um? That's Mineral Area yep, College. Sorry, Mo Moberly is where uh, Jimmy Bell went. It's when right. where Sincere Parker went. So we know Moberly. 
Our um, baby boy, Jimmy Bell. Yeah. And then his freshman season was at Lewis College, which is in like the Chicago suburbs, uh, which is where he played his high school ball. But um, it's just amazing to me. That's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, this is his sixth college in six years. Um, just incredible that you can do that. Uh, uh, women's basketball used to play uh, Lewis all the time. I think yeah. under uh, Jill Pizzotti because Pizzotti was in Chicago. Uh, didn't didn't um, one of the Diener cousins, like a sister, yes. or somebody play at Lewis too? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so was, somebody um, played there at the time. Brittany Diener, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think it was Brittany Diener. I don't know. I'll look that up later. Uh, but I, the reason I thought about women's basketball is because our uh, trivia question winner of the week last week uh, has a has a uh, women's basketball question. Uh, but first, we'll actually get to that trivia question, and that was. Uh, who was the last Billiken men's basketball player to have two words on the back of the jersey without one of those words being some form of junior, third, second, fourth, etc.? Uh, Pete, who was that player? Abdur Rahim Al-Mateem, who played in the early to mid-80s at SLU. Uh, so that was, as we said last week, that was inspired by Stefan Bussel, uh, who's, who's coming here from the Netherlands in the very near future. I one of the more fun things are the uh like the 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 Islamic names for basketball players. They're always the best. They're always they the most are. fun to say. Sharif Abdul Rahim. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Was it a lot, that lot was, of good uh, ones? Well, who was that? That was why am I thinking? Oh, that was yeah, never mind. Uh he was on the Nuggets, right? Um yeah. he was like he, yeah. big time. Uh, but his topic uh, was, I'd love to hear what's going on with women's recruiting right now and how next season might look. I'm not sure how much you can do that, but I'm still riding the high of last season. Yeah, so, I mean, this this kind of inspired me to do a deep dive on where they stand right now, honestly, because, like, I've been wanting to do that for a while, and I, what I realize is we we really don't have a good a good database, a good place to go for women's basketball recruiting. Like I would love to see a place where here are SLU's offers for women's basketball, and there's just there just really isn't that. I mean, my frustration with that on the men's side is kind of why I started doing what I started doing on Billikens.com like ten years ago. I was like, I just want one place where I can just get the information, and I realized I just kind of had to do it <laughs> myself. Um, if that was going to happen, um, you're a, you're a special type of person. <laughs> I think I had a little more time on my hands 10 years ago too. Um, but, but in terms of the roster, like, here's what we know for, for next season, right? So let's start there. We know McMakin, Martinez, Clegg, Calhoun, um, Tillett, her, her daughter, Connor, uh, Hydara, Nicastro, Kennedy, and Johns are all back. So that's a pretty good core coming back. You've got Brooke Flowers, Cheval Gull are both gone to graduation. And then we know Kylie Bass, Sarah Lazar, and Abby Liber all transferred out. Um, and then we've also talked about the trio of signed incoming players, Brooklyn Gray, Markavia Shavers, Tierra Simon. They're all going to give SLU more size and rebounding, and in Gray's case, some more scoring punch too. So that's 10 returners and three signed newcomers. And Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think women's basketball has 15 scholarships, so that gives us two more spots for next season. Yeah, it bumped um, up, I think, recently. Right, right. And and yeah, speaking of keeping people happy, imagine having two more scholarship players to uh you know to keep happy on your roster. I'd I it would be be 
complete chaos on the men's side um, if they added to. So yeah, and, but but as we just said, in terms of recruiting, information is a lot harder to come by on the women's side, both for the portal and for high school players. Um, I have found a couple good spots for the portal, though. There's a, a W, I'll find it in just a second here, WBB blog. It's just WBBBLOG.com. And um, that's a pretty good resource overall. And they have a uh, a, a whole list of women's transfers. Um, that's That's been pretty helpful um, as a resource for me. Um, but what we do know about this staff is that their approach was to really build culture on top of continuity this season. Uh, I think it's safe to say they absolutely succeeded on that front. But they they did kind of push recruiting, um, especially the high school level, out to a longer time horizon, a mo more long-term approach. So it didn't seem like they were really active at all in the 2023 class. And, um, and even 2024, we're not seeing a whole lot of activity at this point, but they're they're really looking to zero in on those younger classes. Um, it, do, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're giving up on 2024 prep recruiting, but they just seem to be acknowledging that they're already kind of late to the game for rising seniors. Um, so I would expect next year to be portal heavy again, as they're kind of replacing McMakin, Martinez, Clegg, and Hydara, if, you know, if not more. Uh, but we also know that they're focused on building inroads locally and in the Midwest. And uh, Coach Tillett doesn't seem to be just kind of leaning on her east coast background at all when you look at recent offers um I, I i found six that i think give it a pretty good snapshot of what they're trying to do one of the first ones was peyton hill from incarnate word high school uh nafisa collier elite aau um, she's a 2025 point guard um, for, from a storied uh, girls program in the st louis area a lot a lot of people would know we offered another point guard in that class, Aubrey Galvin from Deerfield High School up in Illinois, in Illinois Chicago area, and she plays for full package AAU. Uh, another one from that class is a power forward, Camden Ward from Stewart's Creek High School in Tennessee, and she plays for a team pride AAU. Uh, 2026, this was a recent one, Kennedy Stowers forward from Lutheran St. Charles who won state this year. She had the, the game winning um, layup, I believe. And then she also plays for Nafisa Collier Elite. And then um, a 2027 guard, so this is someone who hasn't even played in high school yet, Sabrina Anderson of Elevate Elite AAU. Um, I'm not 100% sure where she's even going to high school. And then just in the past day or two, we saw an offer go out to Lily Bell. Zach, I know you liked her name. Six foot, 2026 forward from Minute High School in Minnesota and Minnesota Stars AAU. So... They're keeping it Midwestern. They're really looking on 2025 and beyond, it, it seems like, in terms of high school recruiting. Um, I'm sure there's more offers out there, but those are the ones that we were able to confirm. And honestly, if anybody knows of a good resource, a database, anything for tracking women's basketball offers, just let us know. Like we're, we're just really searching keywords out here and seeing what we come up with, unless they just happen to pop across our Twitter feed. But yeah, for the most part, like every once in a while, I'm just searching various word combinations on Twitter and seeing if I can find offers and some, you, and a you've lot of learned a lot about the city yeah. of St. Louis, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, when I'm looking up St. Louis offer, I find out a lot about what my hometown has to offer out <laughs> real estate and things like that. Uh, for a while it was coming out with a lot of, um, uh, sex workers on Craigslist and, and other places, uh, <laughs> which was not, uh, Where expected. Yeah, I, I didn't expect you to go there either. 
No, I mean, hey, man, you're never ready for that, you know, right? Like, I'm trying to find, like, who have we offered in basketball? And it's like, oh, okay, that's not what I was looking for. I feel like 2000, uh, like, 14 was tough, too. When, like, you know, Ferguson and Mike Brown, like. Oh, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. That, you know, just cluttered up, not cluttered up, but you know what I mean? Like, it it clogged up the, the St. Louis feed on Twitter. And st- still ongoing, you can't look up anything about SLU Volleyball on Twitter because anytime you look up St. Louis Volleyball, you come up with that horrible car accident. Um, that 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 player who was visiting for a tournament and got hit. Yeah. Um, that's that's what it comes up with when you search St. Louis Volleyball. So yeah, that's the tough part about not having a college that's kind of got its own name, right? Like uh, that's not going to turn out a whole lot of other results, but when you're named after a big city as well. Uh, makes it a little trickier. Uh, but Zach, this week for the trivia question, um, we kind of dropped the ball. I think we were both a little busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think next week we're going to do a poll, right? Yeah. Uh, I want to know which Billiken men. We've done a lot talking about the the star player and what uh, from last season, what he's going to do, what he did the season before, uh, you know. But I want to talk about which men's basketball player saw the greatest improvement over, we'll say his career at SLU, but like I am imagining a four year career here. I, uh, you know, um, but yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's different ways to look at this, Pete. Um, and we're going to give some options of what we think and we'll, we'll definitely allow some write ins and, uh, or maybe we'll take some requests. For the poll, we'll take a, we'll just take a sampling and then make it a poll. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And and then have people vote from there. Cause you're right. There are a few different ways. Like everybody talks about the Conklin summer, right. And um, you then, but this kind of forces you to go back and look like, well, how productive was he as maybe a freshman or a sophomore? Um, and then you were, you were mentioning, and I kind of like this idea, <clears throat> the guys who are the former walk-ons, yeah. who became contributing players, your Phil Hans and Aaron Hines and Paul Ackerleys and guys like that who who earn, earned their minutes, earned their scholarships and became rotation players, even though they came in as, uh, you know, lightly recruited uh, walk-ons out of high school. So uh, there, are, there are a lot of different possibilities here. And I also don't think it's confined to a four-year career, even though that's kind of the easiest way to think about it. And it gives you the most runway, right? Because there aren't a lot of guys who come in as, as, you know, juniors who don't play at all. And then seniors, they're all conference. It doesn't happen a whole lot. So um, I think, I think certainly the guys who are there at least three years, give you the most opportunity to, you know, come up with somebody who who really had an arc of development. I, I think there's also the, the, you know, evolved their game category. Right. I, I, I like right. to, I mean, I would, I said, you know, I mentioned I threw in Jimerson's name because I thought he he evolved. Uh, mm-hmm. He's evolved his game over the years. So there's that aspect, but you wouldn't necessarily consider Jimerson to be the greatest difference between a freshman and his fourth year. Right. Yeah. I mean, because he could he could definitely score as a freshman. So right. Um. So yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of different ways you could take it, but yeah, let's put that out there earlier in the week get some ideas. We'll come up with a poll with what we think our top three or so might be, and then give them an other 
you could option uh, as well. You could almost phrase the question as like, who, who, what player saw the greatest change over positive change over four years? Mm, sure. Um, rather than improvement, because there's many different ways you can change positively as a player. Yeah. Uh, whether it's adding things to your game or, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tommy Liddell adding a three point shot. Yeah. A game changer. I did not jump. He, he would not jump over a sheet of paper to shoot that thing. <laughs> um, it, it was one of my, I, I don't know why I, I loved to do it on college, doing that on like college hoops, 2k8. Cause he would, he would do a little, like he'd barely jump, but he'd also fade a little bit. And yeah. if you like just clicked the X button real quick, tap it, just a little quick release fade away. Never missed. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's the best. Um, all right. Uh, baseball, Pete, uh, not trending, you know, with the, the VCU series, uh, or the, sorry, the Davidson series in the rear view mirror, uh, that sweep, they go and they play Lindenwood on Tuesday and, uh, things are not, we're not trending very good for the Billikens and, uh, you know, this past week. No, on Tuesday, the 16th against Lindenwood at home, by the way, it was a nine, one loss. And, you talk about trends because this was the game where I was kind of like, okay, here's our bounce back, our confidence booster coming into this last series, coming into the conference tournament, you know, like let's take care of business. And here you have a midweek game at home against a 10 and 41 team that's new to D one. And they go out and beat you nine to one. Um, Cole Smith got slew's only run on a, a solo shot in the fourth. But Lindenwood already had seven runs at that point. I think SLU had five total hits. They used seven pitchers. Um, Dawson Smith got the loss because he he pitched the first three and gave up a run. Um, but he actually did better than pretty much everybody else who came in after him. So this was just a ki- kind of puzzling all-around performance, and it kind of had me scared. Like, oh, man, did they lose any any momentum, any mojo they might have had um, going into the weekend? But I think they kind of regained that uh, confidence against Fordham, Zach. Yeah, the first game of this series was on Thursday, the 18th. Uh, the Billikens beat the Rams 9-2. They got up to a 3-0 lead in the first and didn't look back in this one, uh, unlike the next two we're going to go over. Yeah. Uh, the Bills scored an efficient nine runs on 10 hits from eight different players. Patrick Close, he was 2-3 with one RBI and four runs. Cole Smith, 2-2. Two for two. Five RBIs and a two-run jack. Uh, Henry Littman got the win, uh, continuing his uh, his. You know he's he's been the ace all season. That Friday pitch. Yeah, he's been good. Um, uh, he only gave up one run in six innings, Pete. Yeah, yeah, uh, really solid performance. Uh, like I said, Friday and Saturday uh, a little bit different. Uh, what'd you see on Friday? It was an eight-six win um, over Fordham. Uh, obviously it's game two of the series cam redding had a massive day i mean i think the the headlines would all be about him on this one um to help slew actually come back and beat fordham in pretty dramatic fashion fordham led four to one after six and then redding came up in the bottom of the seventh and hit a two-run home run to put him within one um the rams got two more in the top of the eighth to extend the lead to three and make it look pretty bleak for slew uh, but with two on and two out in the bottom of the inning, Redding hit a three-run shot to tie it. And then Slew kind of kicked into small ball gear. Cole Smith got hit by a pitch and then stole second. Tyler Fogarty singled him home before stealing second himself. 
And then Cameron Swanger made it first and third with an infield single. Uh, along comes Knox Preston to drive Fogarty home with one last hit. And, uh, and that wound up being it. Um, Ethan Bell took the mound with a two-run lead and retired three straight Fordham batters for the save. Strikeout, ground out, fly out. Uh, nice, nice poise from him in a kind of a crazy game. Colby Downard ended up with the win because he was on the mound for four innings of long relief before Bell came on to close it out. Redding ended up two for four with five RBIs and two runs, um, all of which came off his homers. So a nice day for him and, and really clutch too. Yeah, shout out um, Colin Surrey for for keeping uh, the drive to Chattanooga interesting on Friday. Uh, got to listen to his call of the game on ESPN Plus. Uh, nice. and, and thanks for the shout out too, although he didn't name the podcast. Ooh. Uh, just kidding. Thank you, Colin. Uh, we love you. Um, Saturday, the 20th, a 14-4 win uh, over Fordham to sweep the series. The Billikens were down. Four to three heading into the sixth and proceeded to explode for a seven run inning, adding three more in the seventh and one more in the eighth. Redding continued mashing the ball, picking up his third homer in the past two games. Swanger hit another long ball for the bills. Hayden Moore was three of four with an RBI and two runs. Sue got two hit days out of Fogarty Costanzo. That's Joseph Costanzo. Uh, Cole Smith, in addition to Redding and Swanger. Fogarty and Swanger drove in three runs apiece, and Redding hit four homers, uh, giving him nine in the last – or, sorry, he hit four home. Sorry. Right. He's giving nine just, RBI. I thought These you are... just think at typing. Yeah, I know. No, um, giving him nine RBIs in the last two games. Billikens out hit the Rams four to 14 to 7, but it also helped that they took 11 walks in this one, including four – four – from Cody Jansen. Is he, yeah. is he, is he uh Kevin Euclid out there? Or, uh, I think uh, Colby Rasmus is the one who has the, the all-time record for the Cardinals uh, I just uh, remember with five in, in a game. I just remember in Moneyball, uh, the Greek God of, of walks. Yeah, of walks, Euclid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Grant Fremion was on the mound for the first five innings and all of Fordham runs, all four of Fordham runs came against him, but only two were earned. It's a nice response from Sue after being swept from or swept in Davidson. They needed to finish off strong, Pete. Yeah, they did. And the overall season record goes to 30 and 21 with a conference record of 15 and 9. Slew's actually the only A10 team to have reached 30 wins this season, although as we'll find out, that didn't mean that they were the uh the top team in the A10. Uh cause Zach, now we've got the A10 tournament coming up. Yeah, and I think this is where your facilities really come into play because if this is one of the years that SLU's hosting the tournament, you're hosting as a four seed, that's right in the wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. uh, you look at, again, George Mason on the softball side, four seed wins the tournament. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they weren't hosting, but I mean, a four seed can win it and, and hosting only can help you. Yeah, that's right. And, and we know how much parity there is at the top of the league, the, how, how much the, the top, five or six of the standings have shuffled constantly all, all year. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be anybody's, but, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it really helps to, to have it at your place. Um, the, the Billikens will be the four seed. Uh, they will take on the five seed Richmond on Tuesday morning. Uh, yeah. Right now, like, like now, right, right now, turn yeah. it on, go get your turn on now. That's right. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, this is a double elimination tournament, just with softball, just as just as was softball last week. But unlike softball, the top seven teams get in, and not just the top six with the top seed getting a first round bye. Pete, right. run us down the seeds in this one. Yeah, so this is going to be, um, you know, four and five. Richmond and St. Louis, Louis are going to take on the winner of St. Jo- or sorry, not the winner, but they'll take on the one seed St. Joe's on Wednesday morning. Um, after SLU and Richmond play, Davidson, Rhode Island play um, on on Tuesday at 3 p.m. local time. I guess that's 2 p.m. St. Louis time. And then the evening game is number three, Dayton, and number six, George Mason. You know, Zach, the crazy thing about this, we talked about how important it is to host. The host is VCU, and they did not make it. You know, it's only the top um, yeah, seven I, this, that make it. This, this happened to the Billikens one time, uh, yeah. I think for soccer. Yeah, I okay. think we've talked about this before, actually, on the pod. Yeah. yeah. And VCU wound up finishing ninth in the league, actually. George Washington was the, the eighth seed that just missed out. It really is. It's such a reversal of last year. I mean, they they can't have seen it coming. They actually lost their last three. They had a shot to get in. Um, uh, but but Rhode Island uh, won out, and they, they lost out. So uh, kind of a crazy finish to the season, too, because they were not number nine all season long. That was that was a, a surprising thing. They were a little under 500 coming into conference play, but you never would have thought that would have happened. Um, the other funny thing, Zach, is I'm actually going to be getting into Richmond during the finals. Um, the, the Saturday, the Saturday game is at noon local time. And then they play a second game. If the lower seat, if the team yeah. that comes out of the consolation bracket wins, they play a second game. And um who knows if SLU is in the final, there's a, there's a chance, there's an outside chance that I can persuade, um, persuade us to head over there for the game, but, but we'll see. It could be, it could be a tall task. Cause I think at that point, my kids are just going to want to jump in the hotel pool or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, maybe actually that gives me a reason to, to head over there again, a few things have to go right. And I don't think I'll go over there to watch, uh, you know, Richmond play Davidson or whatever. But uh, but if Slu's in it, I might uh, I might try and twist my wife's arm and make it happen. Uh, we can't go without talking about track and field, uh, Pete. We weren't sure when we recorded last week what the official word it was as far as NCAA bids for Billiken track athletes, uh, and we got confirmation that not only Toby Gillen is going to the NCAA West preliminary rounds in Sacramento on the twenty fourth and twenty seventh. But Evan Brenderman and Jaden Coadio are also in, but for the triple jump competition. Yeah, and that's this week. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yep. When I when I first looked at those dates, I thought, oh, that's the end of the month. That's when it's off. <laughs> and, and now we're like, oh, that's this Wednesday to Saturday. Or as you're listening to this, if you listen on Tuesday, it's tomorrow that they get started. Um, Brenderman and Coadio were the 44th and 45th seeds in a field of 48. So they barely got in and they, they really didn't know until the last day, whether it was going to happen. Um, their event begins Friday at 8 PM St. Louis time. They need to finish in the top 12 to advance to the um, championship. So they're long shots, right? They're clear long shots, but just to be there is so cool. And uh, you just want to see them do as well as they can um, outperform those seeds. Right. And then Gillen's uh, 5k race is at 10, 10 that evening. Um, he's either going to need to finish in the top five in his heat or have one of the two fastest times for those not finishing in the top five of the heat. 
Um, as with the triple jump, the, the just 12 runners will advance to the NCAA championship final. Gillen's the 13 seed, Zach. So he's like, he's in a real, um, he's in a pole position in terms of like having a shot to get there. Um, not everybody is going to run exactly to their seed. There's going to be opportunity for him here. And, uh, and we know how much he's just crushed it this season. So um, really, really excited to see what he can do, you know, with the others, it would be amazing if they could advance, but, but with him, like, like he's, he's in the mix for sure. I, I, I gotta go. We gotta go back and look. I, I, I don't know if we've ever had, did we have that high jumper? I don't, you know, I'm I don't trying remember. to remember when the last person we had that made an NCAA, uh, championship, uh, meet. But, yeah. I don't know. Um, I gotta yeah. Look we'll, we'll look into that. Uh, Pete, uh, we got a new transfer on uh, the women's soccer side of things. Now, be careful. Be careful with how you explain all this. You know, we got to watch that. Well, Jesus. I mean, look. Yeah, as, just, as, just explain it all. As but... we saw on Twitter, on social media, all yes. over the place. Um, Instagram. Yeah, women's soccer got a new transfer. I don't know how her last name, how to say her Lubert. last name. Lubert. It's just yeah. Lubert. Okay. Izzy Lubert is a defender from Arkansas. Uh, who will be a sophomore this fall. She's originally from Jefferson City and played her club ball with St. Louis Scott Gallagher. Um, she announced on social media on the 17th that she'd be spending her next three years at SLU. She started twice this season for the Hogs and appeared in 13 games overall. Actually, her highest minute total this season, 57 minutes, came against SLU. Um, so I guess they got a good look at her that uh, that game. Her older sister, Sarah, played for the Chicago Red Stars and is now with Club America in the Liga MX down in Mexico. I know it's pronounced differently, but, you know, give me a break. Um, so she's got she's got pedigree. She's coming from a school that was a top 10 school this year. And um, and yeah, I mean, this could be a, a really nice pickup late in the cycle here. Uh on the volleyball side, another commitment for Andrea Beatty's squad. And this one has some. Uh... Some familiar flavor to it, I think, Pete. Uh, Lucy Rankin, a 2024 setter out of North Oldham High School in Goshen, Kentucky. I probably said that wrong. Uh, no, you but, said it right. But she plays club volleyball for Kiva, uh, and that was founded by Ron Cordes. Uh, you'll know that name because he is the father of former Billiken head coach Ann Cordes, who is uh, fittingly the head coach for Lucy Rankin's club team. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Beatty definitely working those, uh, those, uh, recruiting relationships. And, uh, you know, uh, she was, Beatty was recruited by Ann Cordes before she left. So, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, that's pretty cool. There, there, we got a little, uh, we got a little tip that, uh, there was a, there was a job posting, uh, regarding, uh, slew women's basketball assistant. Uh, what do yeah. you make of this Pete? And and luckily that's public information, right? So you could just go look it up. But when you when you go to SLU's website and search athletic department jobs, there are two women's basketball assistant coaches listed, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. You would think there was just one. Um, there's one listed as of 12 days ago, as as we speak, and one listed as of four days ago. Uh, what's what's funny, Zach? Men's basketball does not have one listed. They have the coordinator job still listed. Uh, but not an assistant coaching job. And then um, what's even funnier, I don't know if it's funny, haha, -ha, but 
swimming and diving head coach is still listed there as well. That one's, uh, I almost forgot about it. It's been yeah. so long. Uh, they're um, looking for an assistant athletic director of sports medicine and well, wellness as well. Yeah. Right in our wheelhouse, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's our skill set. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is interesting. I, I do forget to go check that page. Um, but every, every, from time to time, it is kind of fun to go check over there and kind of see, uh, you know, it, it can offer you some insights, some clues. So I don't know what this means for the women's basketball staff, by the way. Um, it might be some, some writing on the wall though. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, could it be that they could add another one? Like, did they get a bump in budget just to add another coach? Well, the, the only, the, the only thing I would say is that I think it's like the men's side, right? Where you only get three recruiting assistants. So I think there's only three jobs that you can call assistant coach and anything else would have to be like special assistant to the head coach or, you know, mm. this coordinator or that coordinator. Like there, there are other ways to create staff positions, but you only have three true assistant coaches. Yeah. Looks so like there's that coordinator position that's open as well on men's basketball. Right. Right. That's the one that Sarah had before. Right. 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 Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so yeah, yeah, so that one's not a surprise, but, um, anyway, though, the, the, the women's coach one is, and, and I don't know what that means or who might be moving on or, uh, yeah, I have no idea, but, uh, it's definitely something we'll keep an eye on. It's funny. You forget that. Like there's actually, oh, the band director position is posted too. Yes. Um, it's so funny. You forget that people actually work there that aren't in the athletic department. Right. Um, I think that wraps us up, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that's ready it. To go to bed. I am too. I, I, uh, I did not run an iron man and I'm still tired. Yeah. My, uh, my friend who went with me to help, uh, get everything together was like, yeah, I'm tired. I go, shut the hell up. Yeah. Right. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. So, oh, that's a long drive. Ugh. You know, I know. Same same day too. Yeah. It was brutal. But I know. all right. Well, that wraps up the week in Billiken Athletics. Follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod, at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP, and on Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. Uh like, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff. Comment, uh, review our show on all platforms. As always, Pete. Go Bills. Go Bills.